So full energy from bed right here Cause they're my enemies Subscribe and like, rate and review Your hosts of the day be Couple guests too We're gonna win a trophy when overdue Can we do the double make it deja vu It's a move London thing Third one is only on the wing Harry's one of our own nine and in He's only got one E but let's see the king And we got Delhi Ali that's talking With the show side, with the show side With the show side's what we sing With the show side, with the show side It's a new flood to me. Hello and welcome to the Shelf Side Podcast, episode 34. Whose episode is it, Kobna? 34. Ain't got nothing for it, man. 34. I can't think of anyone. That's fine. You don't have to. Should I tell you why? Why? It's the Christmas episode. <laughs> to get the player, it's the Christmas episode. We are As we record, it's four days until Christmas. The Christmas that is to be cancelled. But this is the Christmas pod. I'm going to get Lero to play some nice Christmassy music. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you thinking? You're thinking Elton? Are you thinking Band-Aid? Are you thinking Chris Breezy? Do you know what, yeah? Disney's Child, Mariah. To be honest, I do, I do, like, I do like Chris Breezy's This Christmas. I do like it. Um, yeah, but it's I'm been banked big, out a bit. It is, but I'm a big Boys Men, Let It Snow fan. Big Boys Men, Boys Men, Brian McKnight. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Classic, classic, bro. Classic. Alright, so Lero, please underpin this with a bit of yeah, Boys yeah, yeah. to Men, Brian McKnight. And, And if you, you need me to I heard that today. Yeah, if you need me what, to do you? ad-libs as well, yeah. Lero, you know, you know, anyway, Lero, you know what I'm about in it. So if you need me to do any ad libs, then those high falsettos, I'm all over it, Lero. Because right now, that's probably that's probably the best thing that I can think of regarding to the Shellside <laughs> podcast right now. Keith, oh, Bubna Sweat. Okay. Yeah, man, I can Fair do enough. it. I can do it. I do, I do it for the fans. I do it for the fans. Listen, if the tweets start coming in, you best get your, you know, yeah. tight pants on to hit those full settles. I'm ready. I'm ready. Anytime. Anytime. Okay. Well, I'm glad somebody's ready because I don't think Tottenham are ready right now Please. for a title chat. Nah, 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 nah. Listen, there's so many different ways in which we can attack this. Uh, I'm just going to dive straight into it because... Um, whilst I do care how you are and all that kind of stuff, I can do that offline. So, um, <laughs> I don't know, man. It was, look, we earmarked it. I remember you saying in the last show that this run would tell us where we're at. And I think we've been put in a position where we have to put certain things into perspective. And I think it's only right we start with Liverpool. Yep. Um... I thought the Liverpool game was frustrating because we went down to a deflected a deflected um, shot. But also, I'm not that pissed that it was deflected in the sense that, you know, you've got, to, you've got to attack goals for those things to happen. And Liverpool have never shied away from doing that. And I think that in itself is a lesson, right? If you don't attack the goal, if you don't, if you don't try and impose your will on the opposition's defence, you don't get handballs, you don't get deflections, you don't, it doesn't happen. So you've got to do that, right? And born out of pressure. Exactly. Born out of pressure. Born out of pressure. And being Tottenham fans, we know what it's like to go at goal like healthily. We've seen, we've seen three iterations. We've seen Martin Yole do it. We've seen Redknapp do it. We've seen Poch do it. Like, just go hard at teams trying to get that, you know, to get that, that initial advantage. And 
Liverpool have been relentless. They did that. They got their they got their just desserts, and then arguably against the runner play, we got an equaliser, and we held out to the 90th minute. Right? Um, it was annoying because it was a it was a it was a set piece. Find that really frustrating. Um, Again, but yes, pressure on the goal. Um, but I guess I wanted to. Before we go into any of the specifics, I wanted to get you like your overview of the game, because that, that was my that was my frustration. Like we we saw a team who laid siege to our goal. Yeah, there were home and stuff, um, and we can't play Liverpool's game the way Liverpool do. But at least picking our moments to go at it would have been good. But I don't know what's your what's your overview of the game. Yeah, so I remember speaking to Lero before this game. And even speaking to you on the chat and you asked me, well, Lero was like, we need to go for it. You asked me, should we go for it? I said, yes, but we won't go for it. And I said on the pod last week that we'll probably play 4-4-2. And we ended up playing 4-4-2 um, just to try and nullify the fullbacks, but it wouldn't work because it's not like when we played Arsenal. So we already conceded territory by the formation by the tactics. We already conceded um, possession as we tend to do against the better possession-based sides. And we just went deeper and deeper and invited the pressure. And Liverpool are not City. Liverpool are not Arsenal. Liverpool are Liverpool. They're champions for a reason. They're relentless. They go for the jugular. If they're 3-0 up, they will step on your throat and go for four, five, six, or seven. Okay? And this is why we conceded. And it was very frustrating because we didn't create anything until Son scored. And it was like, well, if we gamble every now and again, collectively gamble, we can do this. If we work on their relative novice in Nico Williams at the centre of their defence and... Fabinho, who's not a natural centre-back, who's played decent, but not a natural centre-back. We can get something out of this game, but we didn't do it until then. And then we didn't do it until the second half. And we created quite a few very presentable chances. And um, they're not even presentable. They were guilt-edge chances. And we weren't clinical today, or on that day. We weren't clinical. Uh, If you think about City game, we were pretty clinical. The Arsenal game, we were very clinical. It's only so long you can be clinical for, right? Taking two of two chances. Against Liverpool, we took, say, one of four clear-cut mm-hmm. chances. Mm-hmm. And the percentages will even themselves out. The XG, as they like to say, will even itself out. Um, the XG probably said we should have scored four, right? But we didn't. Whereas against City or Arsenal, or to take Arsenal game, the XG wouldn't have been score two. Because Son's goal would have come from nowhere. It did. So the XG would probably have been one. So we ran out of luck in that department against Liverpool. But that should have been enough to gain a point, which would have kept parity with the leaders. We would have been on top of the table. They would have been behind on goal difference, but would have still been there with an extra point in the bank. And that would have taken us to nine points from the five that we earmarked beforehand and we said if we can get through this period with 10 points which was my requirement nine would have been one off of it but because we would have beaten um city as a rival 
we would have nullified Chelsea and we've taken points off of Liverpool and Liverpool dropped points, which we weren't expecting. Well, I certainly weren't expecting when I said 10 points. It would have meant that nine points would have been decent, pretty good, maybe an A during that period of time. In terms of results and points, not necessarily in terms of performances. So it was very, very frustrating. Very, very frustrating to concede another set-piece goal. In the 90th minute, we've conceded late goals already this season. We haven't learned, and we haven't learned how to defend corners, which is just basic, basic stuff. That has to be, has to be frustrating for all concerned. Jose, Ledley, Sacramento, and all the players, to be fair. Yeah, uh... I think the point you made about being clinical is really important because it's whole system, this whole system currently playing is predicated on that being able to take that one chance. But I think that the two things that marry up because yes, you have to be able to clinical and take care of that one chance, but then surely you should create as many chances as you possibly can so you can take one of those chances and then move on rather than just waiting and waiting and assuming that at one point that 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 point that opportunity is going to turn up and that's what i find strange like if you know you're going to score one or score two and then chill then when you want to score that really quickly just get just get it out the way like go out there you and get as many opportunities as possible and then then keep it moving but we're just not doing that i mean okay well let's 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 kind of break it down this point otherwise i know i'm going to go off on a rant and no one's going to that <laughs> Mourinho said the best team lost. I know that it's Mourinho mind games, right? But I want to ask you what you think the impact of those mind games will be. So, I'm not sure about the mind games per se because Mourinho does brilliantly with mind games. But then his actions don't always tally with his mind games, right? So... We take another example of his mind games. He also um, lamented the Bergwijn abuse, uh, said he played well uh, or something to that effect, but then he dropped in the next game, right? Didn't even bring him on. So he's punished him for the Liverpool defeat, which I think is very harsh. Um, Say in the best team won, back to your original point, I think you can't pull the wall over players eyes when they were in the game okay i get what he's trying to do he's not trying to um blast his team um given that the performance was okay to a degree if that's what you were going for a point and the point would have been acceptable at um anfield and we were seconds away from getting that so had we got that and had opportunities we created very good chances as i mentioned then you could have suffered that however just because Liverpool didn't create as clear-cut chances as we did, as many clear-cut chances as we did, doesn't mean they, were, um, they weren't the better side. They were clearly the better side, clearly. Um, but we set out to contain. We set out to contain and hit on the counter, which is what we did. Doesn't make us the better side. Could make us the smarter side if we came with a 2-1 defeat and um, victory. But it doesn't make us the better side. And I think the players will know that. They're not stupid, but they will feel a bit down at the back of that, feel feel a bit gutted, and I think it's him trying to lift them up in that particular moment. 
it didn't seem to work though, did it? I feel, <laughs> I feel that. No, no I feel that, like that. That's a fair. That's a fair um, assessment of his of his, what he was saying. And I think you do have to make your players confident in the plan you're setting out in front of them. Um, I think it's like twofold, right? You're claiming to be a pony in this race. Completely understand that. But then also say that you've gone to the champions, you've gone home to to their to their 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 home, and then you've come out with like a two one loss, having claimed that you were the better side. Like Mourinho, look, we all know what Mourinho is like. Like if you, if he's your he's your manager, you learn to love him in most cases, and if he's not, you hate him because of stuff like this. Um, I think it was just a very dangerous. I think it is a very dangerous approach because you don't want to get to a stage where results like this start to have a massive impact on the psyche of the players. And I guess that's what he's trying to defend or deflect against. And, and I completely get that. I just, as a fan, it's just really frustrating to, to hear. Especially when you think about it, it's like the mistakes that we made, like the goals were, let, were from mistakes. That's what I find. All five goals, sorry. Can I just say all five goals we've conceded in the last three games? And I'm jumping the gun a little bit. But just look at the five goals we've conceded in the last three games. All from errors. All, all avoidable. I, I remember after the Palace game, you were really frustrated. I was, I, I considered, like, sometimes people say I'm a pessimist. Other people believe I'm a ridiculous optimist. Like, I've always just said I'm a realist. And that's just a fact. I feel that... Mm-hmm. When you when we went to Selhurst Park, like we discussed on the pod, if you haven't heard it, please go back and listen. I said that it was not the ideal result and obviously not happy with a draw. But given the context of the way the draw came, it was not bad. We've got another game week to look back on. And this now makes the Palace, the Palace result look worse for two reasons, right? Liverpool beat us 2-1 at home. Then went to Selhurst Park and really went at really went at Palace. Like they 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 went hammer. They really went at Palace. Like that's the way you're describing it. They went ham. Yeah, they did. The hammer and tongue. They went for it. Like they 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 went for the jugular. It was relentless from the from the beginning. Like look. An early without goal, Salah, without, without Salah. Salah, yeah. An early goal always helps. There's no denying that, right? So they got yeah. a goal after three minutes, but after that, they just carried on going, and the, and the flag gets opened. Now it begs the question: like, do we need to have two completely different ways of playing? One of them, which is not in keeping at all with the way Mourinho plays, um, it's probably the closest thing I can think of is the West Ham game first half. Where we were creating chance after chance after chance after chance after chance. Even actually against Newcastle, we created chance after chance after chance after chance after chance. We only were only won one nil, but by that point we hadn't found our our shooting boots. But we were going at it, trying to get trying to get the extra goal. We did it never came, right? So in those two games, I thought from an attacking point of view, I saw the best version of Spurs. Like, and the reason I say that's the best version is because the initiative wasn't handed to us, we went and took it, right? Southampton, we saw something that worked and we continued to do it because it was working. Um, we put pressure on, on United and were well worth our 2-1 lead before Marcel got sent off. But then it's like the initiative is just handed, further initiative is handed to us. 
So, you know, we come across with, we come out with that goal. So, and go out of that scoreline. But, one way in which Mourinho plays against top four, I'm fine with. Like, look, Liverpool didn't work out. I'm for the top place to go. They are the champions for a reason. I wanted to come out there obviously with at least a point. Obviously, I did. Right? But the result, 2-1, I can forgive that. Right? If we beat Palace 3-0. Do you see what I mean? Like, the, the two different ways in which you want to play, I, I feel like there's, there's, that's fine. Like, it's fine to go to... It's fine to go to go away to Man City. It's fine to go away to United. It's fine to go away to Chelsea and play typical, quintessential Mourinho football. But when we're at home against the side, or we're against, or we're away from home, or home or away against the lesser side, like why don't we play the way we played against West Ham in the first like half? Why don't we play the way we played against against Newcastle for the majority of the game? Why is that not an option? I, I feel that having trying to master one way of playing is a bit is a bit dangerous. We're still yeah. up there. We're still up there. Of course, we're still up there in the table. But people forget how tight the top half is. There's like four points between first and like seventh. Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous how tight it is and how tight it's going to continue to be with the results going the way they're going with some very unpredictable results and ridiculous score lines. I think there are a couple of things and a couple of ways to look at this, right? So if we go back a couple of episodes, um, we've mentioned this before with Trevor. We spoke, uh, Trevor spoke on the pragmatic approach of Mourinho. Um, so horses for courses, right? Like you say, City game, you you might play typical quintessential Jose ball, uh, Jose ball. Um, but against other sides, you open up a bit more. That hasn't happened in the last six games. So I think what this is um, a result of are two things. One being the West Ham second half. The other thing being the run of games. So having all, well, three of your, four really of your rivals, whichever way you want to chop it up, in a span of five, six games. I think Mourinho was like, right, we can't be blown away. We can't lose five of six of these games. We need to compete and nick wins and get wins against your cities, against your Chelsea, maybe Leicester, blah, blah, blah. So I think he set the side up to play one way and had to drill them. Because bearing in mind, this is a side that typically doesn't play this way, right? Mm-hmm. Never played this way. These players don't play this way. Maybe Toby in when he played for um, Aleti under Simeone. Um, maybe for Ajax, but Ajax were very dominant. So I don't think many of these players would have played in this style of football very often and for long periods of time. So therefore, I think it was really a case of Mourinho drilling this side, knowing the games that they've got coming up, knowing the fact that they've conceded free, um, let leads slip, and saying, guys, this is the way we're going to play. And thinking that because we've got those games in a row, back-to-back, City, Chelsea, Arsenal, possession-based sides or really good sides, just drill the players, make sure they know what they're supposed to do. And then when it came to the Palace game, continued it because you had Liverpool afterwards. 
So he didn't want to chop and change too much. Doesn't really change his starting eleven too much. Keep the tactics the same, and we'll get the result because Palace will attack us a little bit. We'll find the spaces. We've got the better players. We'll just win, and then back to normal against Liverpool, and then the same against Leicester. We all knew, and we all said. We weren't happy with this style of football, but if it's going to get results and it will be tweaked, we will be happy. It wasn't tweaked. That's the problem. It wasn't tweaked, and I think it wasn't tweaked because of the pattern of the teams we were playing. But I still think the players should have enough about them to be trusted to take the handbrake off against the Crystal Palace side and take the handbrake off to a Leicester side who are definitely we are even to um, and shouldn't be scared of. We just have to be wary of certain players, like any other club really in the Premier League. But we weren't, and I think this is why we ended up in the situation that we ended up. And in addition to that, momentum is a really, really, really big thing in football, in a lot of sports, but especially football. The draw against Palace kind of killed our momentum, kind of sucked the life out of us a little bit. Then you think we need to get something at Anfield now. The players would have thought this in their minds, knowing that the Palace result wasn't good enough. That momentum went into the Liverpool game. Double up that momentum going into the Leicester game, and I think the Leicester performance, which we're going to get into, was very, very lukewarm. Going on cold. Uh, I think the momentum point is a really important one, right? It's like using the idea of using one game to spur people on for the next is really important, and I understand the whole mentality. I really do, genuinely. I know it's a cliche, but I genuinely appreciate and understand the idea of taking it one game at a time and only trying to win the next game, right? I do respect that because I think it's a long season. If you do that, if you do anything other than that, you can lose sight of your goals, you can take your foot off the gas, all that kind of stuff. But with that in mind, if you're just trying to take each game as it comes, then the most important game should have been Palace and trying to win that. And then anything you get against Liverpool, cool, bonus. Then you go again. Like, we just didn't really do that. I, I mean, trying to search for positives in this game, I think we should look at if there were any like standout performances from that, from that game at Liverpool. And I, I felt that Aurier had a good game. He had a very good game. So I remember speaking to you about this and... You asked me like how I thought he did, and I thought he was good. But I said it got to the stage where Ori is now giving us like seven out of tens on a regular basis, so it feels like it just feels like in his wheelhouse. But I broke down the the performance even further, right? Yeah, and I, and I looked at I looked at how many, how quiet he kept money, um, how he restricted him to like a, a just a ridiculously low number of dribbles, didn't get past him once, like all that kind of stuff, and it was a great performance. But it's just like those those performances deserve wins because that's what changes the mentality. But for me, yeah, that was that was a that was a top performance. I don't know if there's anyone else you thought played really well. Yeah, so just on that, um, you said he never got past him once. He did roll him and lifted over the bar of his left foot of just wide, um, but didn't dribble past him per se. And yeah, he was really good. Um, there were odd moments, but I think on the whole, 
I think he did really, really well because um, you can't keep a world-class player quiet for 90 minutes. Completely quiet. It doesn't happen. And let's just be honest, Mane should have won Ballon d'Or the season. Liverpool won the Champions League, right? So that's how highly we think of Mane. Um, I think Lloris, I think he did okay. I saw on some website he got man of the match or from our perspective he was our best player um, which I found a bit surprising given the fact that I honestly felt he could have done better with the deflected goal he just doesn't move his feet he's almost gets stuck in the mud it's looping but he has a few seconds to get over there and he just doesn't move um, so I don't give him top marks I said to I think it was Lira um that Dyer continues to do okay. Seemed to didn't really put foot wrong. Um, he has this habit now, as Nero pointed out, that um, I can't take credit for it. That he tends to fall over in the box looking for fouls. I don't know if it's a tactic or if he's got the wrong boots on, but <laughs> away from that, he seems to be doing okay. Seems to be doing his job. And I don't think in the last three games he could be accountable for a mistake leading to a goal um, and he's had a couple of runs out from the back but what he needs to stop doing as we touched on is pinging the ball so for me I would just say those players as in honestly they're, they're, like, I don't know why he's on doing that <laughs> I don't know he fancies himself right he fancies himself as a player we know this I right don't he, he took a free kick it's like he, he the thing is look we are we are not we are not professional footballers right so I don't think it's about like technique, technique or ability. I think it's more about self awareness. Like, if you've tried this a couple of times, and it hasn't come off, or it's led to like danger, why are you still doing it? He did it against Chelsea, and got let off. And it hasn't stopped him from continuing to try those raking long range passes. I don't, I don't understand it. So, if it come, if it's come off once you will feel like you can do it again. Just like the fact he's only scored one free kick and that was the one that went central against Russia in the World Cup, right? But he still takes free kicks. And I mean, he's got a decent technique. But think about this, right? If you've got to work in 25 minutes once when every door opened when it should do and there was no traffic on the road, you think you can get to work again within 25 minutes? No, no, you always... no, no. I wouldn't, I wouldn't. I understand I context do. is important, man. I understand context is important. That's why it's just unforgivable. These like, look, I'm not even, I, like, I would rather have, I would rather have Dyer taking free kicks over Kane all day, unless unless Kane's yeah. gonna show me like he he's he's been banging them out in practice and he's and he's been making real strides or whatever. Fine, that's a conversation for another day. Dyer's done it and showed even against Palace, like, uh, got against Palace. Yeah, he's got it up yeah. and down. Yeah, Technique, yeah, like. He's got the technique. I've got no problem with that, right? But this is why you continue to be afforded those opportunities. Because you've shown some level of success. You, that hasn't happened with your passing. So stop it. So just stop it. Because it's not... <laughs> with a free kick, you miss a free kick, it hits a wall. Like, you, you get over it. You live with that. You try and pass and you don't make that pass. You can, be, you can, you can see possession and straight away we're on the back foot and you're giving away chances. It's not the same. It's just not the same. Yeah. You don't have to do it. Okay, but I I agree. 
I just feel like he has been consistent in other things. So I'm going to say there's a positive there that he is looking like a decent premiership defender. But I think I think before you give him any more abuse, we should get on to the Leicester game. Um, yeah. Oh, dear, man. A- another joy. Another joy this to is, discuss. This, 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 game was, um, this game was dead. Our approach <laughs> was wrong from the beginning. Um, we allowed Leicester, who Leicester have Leicester have got that varied approach of playing, which I respect. Right? They came to us and were like, "Okay, you guys are obviously not going to try and play against us, so we'll try and create chances as quickly as we possibly can." And they did that. I don't actually think Leicester were very, very aggressive. They were, they're aggressive, very. but I don't actually think Leicester were, were that great. Like the commentators, no, Roy Keane was banging on. Oh yeah. They were fantastic. You know, they were by miles a better team. Like, Ray Keane, I feel like sometimes he just uses hyperbole and with a straight face so people can make he's this no-nonsense pundit. Like, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. You have these, you have these points of view. Fine, those are fair. You, uh, you at times provide some insight. Cool. But the way in which he uses hyperbole, like, to me, always poorly poorly used wrong timing like Leicester were not by far and away the better team we were we were better, we were worse than Leicester were good like do you know what I mean it's like if, if yeah. Le- Leicester were talking about on a scale of 1 to 10 in terms of being good Leicester were like a 6 if you're talking about a, a thing of 1 to 10 of being bad with 10 being the worst we were a solid 9 we created yeah, almost no- we created almost nothing we were poor in possession both their goals came from errors Needless errors, like yeah, that's not if a team plays really well and they're by far the better team. That's not how you win games. We were poor. We were poor, and the only time we actually looked halfway decent was towards the end of the game when we were chasing it, right? So for me, that was really frustrating because we're at home. We refused to take the initiative. We had the players to hurt them. We started Lasso and Nombele in the same game. That was. Not in a 4-3-3 like we have been playing. It was a 4-4-2. It was frustrating. Didn't think it was the right setup. Don't know why we went for that. Didn't work. It didn't work. I didn't know why being at home and having no injuries and welcoming Reguilon back to the side, why we didn't just play to our strengths. It was a really frustrating and odd decision to make. It didn't work for us. It seemed that we only started to play when our backs were against the wall, by which time it was too late. But in that time... We played the kind of football that would suggest if we'd done that from the beginning, we could have got a 2-0 lead and then chilled. Because if it, like, there are very few teams in the league that can chill on a lead as comfortably as we can. But you have to yeah. get the lead first. We're like chilling and expecting the lead to be handed to us at some point, which was strange for me. So to, be that, to, to do that, I thought it was unacceptable. What do you think about our approach? Well, just to touch on your point about chilling and expecting the lead to be handed to us. And that is bang on because what we expected for some strange reason was Celeste to really push up and play a high line and for us to get an opportunity in behind. Now, if we think about the goals we've scored this season, a lot of them have been against sides that play high line, that go for it, that gamble, that pressure us. Leicester did have two ways of playing. They do, but the line wasn't that high. And if we can't get in behind, then we struggle, as has been proven. Son, 
I've said this before, and I'm still in two minds about whether Son is world-class or whether he has world-class moments. Um, I think I've probably said he's world-class after two good games in a trot or the start of the season. But he can be ineffective, right? Spurs can be ineffective when we have to break down a side. It's happened pre um, this Jose side. It's happened under Poch. And it's happened with Ericsson at the helm in the um, 10 position. We have struggled because some of our passing can be laboured. Some of our passing isn't tight. And we know this Jose side doesn't have a pattern of pay. So what happens when a side doesn't give us that space in behind? We now tend to have to move the ball, but we don't move it quickly. We don't play enough one-twos. And another thing that I've seen happen in with our approach, and we, even before I get into the tactical formation um, with regards to Lo Celso and Dombele, is Kane. Kane has not been informed for the last four games. Let's just put that out there. Um, as fair. I always say, be- yeah, well, before I criticise Kane, I always say I'm a Kane fan because you get those people who are not Kane fans and it's hard to hear criticism from them. But he has not been informed for the last four games. You just go and watch the tapes and you'll see how many times he's lost the ball, made the wrong decisions and obviously missed some chances. Now, that being said, when... You play a side that doesn't play a high line. Kane does not need to drop deep. Okay? It's a pointless exercise because him dropping deep, he's dropping into not a hole, he's dropping into traffic. Okay? He's not the most mobile player in the world. He's not the type of player who splits two lines of a defense with a pass. So, if you've got one line, fair enough. To split two, he's not or very rarely going to do that. When you play a side like that, what you need is your cane to be up top, cause a problem against defenders like Evans, whether it be to hold the ball up, long balls or balls into feet, and everybody can join or bounce off of him, play one-twos, and spin in behind. So he's playing now a pivotal role, but just having to break down one line. And then you play in and around him. We didn't do that. Struggled to create. I think we created one chance from open play. Then you have this access. We wanted Don Bele, Lo Celso, either side of Hoybier. That didn't happen. I think Lo Celso has been chomping at the bit. He's been knocking on the door. Played well in Europe um, against Antwerp. Played well, obviously, um, set up Son against Liverpool. I think he was forced into the side. We took out Bergwijn. We took out somebody who's going to be quick, join the front two, and cause a threat. And we played four midfielders. Right? We know Lascelles' best position isn't coming from the right. We know it's deep lying or as a ten. Don Belly played way too far forward with his back to goal a lot of time. He couldn't find those passes. Our system was flawed, and we don't have a natural pattern of play. And on top of all of that, I think there's too many miles in some of the legs of the players. I think some of the players looked a bit leggy and without a good idea of what to do to break down this Leicester side. And I think that those two things culminated in such a damp squid of a performance. I think we also need to think about... If you are going to say someone has earned the right to play because of their performance season, like previous games, 
I've got no problem with that. But then you still have to put them in a position or in a formation that allows them to thrive. If we're going to do that and play them because they've earned it, cool. But then you put them in a situation that's hamstrung them. Like, we've talked about this, you know, amazing triumphant in midfield of Ndombele, Lesoso and Hoiberg many a time. But it has to work as a three. This kind of... Yep. Having them and then having Sissoko in there. Like, Sissoko lost the ball under pressure a few times where I previously wouldn't have expected him to be that. I expected him to, like, you know, be shielding, covering. But he was given the ball at times with his back to goal and had to, you know, turn people and make a, and make a play. And then there were other times where I saw him like carrying the ball forward in similar to the way in which he did under Pochettino to gain yards, but then picking the wrong pass. Always. And I think Kane in the past two, three games has also been guilty of forcing that that pass, that assist. It just he's been forcing it. And I think it's only a matter of time before the frustration ends and he goes on like a and a goal scoring um, streak like that's that's just feels like that's going to come at some point, um, and I think Son is working really hard to try and find Kane, but it's coming at the expense of sometimes him not going against instincts and just taking shots. Like right now, the narrative is determining how we play, which is a big problem. We should play the way we play because it's best for the game. Not because we're trying to continue this idea of oh, or Kane and Son like uh, the most prolific partnership since blah blah. Like, let's just play in a way that's going to win us the game. There was a there was a mistake. Not playing. I don't think playing Sissoko was a mistake. I think where he was deployed was a mistake. I don't think it was a problem to play the Celso because he'd earned it fine. But same th- by the same measure, it wasn't the right system. It wasn't the right system. And if it's not the right system, then people just need to think about what's best for the team and best for our progression. We didn't do that. We didn't do that. We looked at team. We looked at Tielemans. We looked at we looked at Madison. We looked at Indini. Now, whilst I didn't think any of them were spectacular, they were all decent that game, right? And as a trio in that middle of the park, they did really well. And once they got the lead, it didn't seem like they were going to relinquish it. And at times, Madison continued to create chances. Whereas he annoys our, me. Yeah, he annoys me as well. He annoys me massively. I feel like he's. I feel like he's a really. He's a. He just seems like a cocky dickhead. He really yeah. does. But like, you know, he played well, man. He played. He played well for like what they were, what they were trying to do. Considering they they were also trying to like soak up pressure, which didn't actually come. He played as a number ten. He still plays in a way that fit the system. Like yeah, yeah, of course, set pieces, again, were a problem for us find it massively frustrating and we've we've spoken about that at length on this pod. In fact, with with Andrew's uh, insight being the footballer and historian that he is, um, broke it down much earlier in the in the season. So we kind of foreshadowed that it's going to be an issue. I think it was after the... Uh, not after the Everton game, after... It may have been I think after, it was Everton game. Okay. Because that was a free kick. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think it was I, mean, I think we also, we also broke it down on Newcastle. Newcastle. Newcastle, yeah. Yeah. We spoke yeah. about and that approach. So that that is a frustrating thing. But I think bigger than the set pieces thing is that right now, it seems like being at home isn't a comfortable thing for us. Yeah, we have a decent record away. You need a decent record away if you're going to come away with anything in this league. That's fine. But you need to protect home first. And we are not, yeah. we don't seem anywhere near comfortable at home. And that's that's a concern for me. Yeah, so 
um, you, I think I quoted this a while back as well on the pods that we don't seem, apart from revenue, and obviously there's no revenue during COVID times, um, home hasn't been anything for us. There, we have not gained any benefit from being at home. The only games where I really think the home, and then I'm talking about Tottenham Hotspur Stadium here, has helped us is the two games against City, one in the league and um, the one in the Champions League, whereby we faced two penalties against the South, um, South Stand end and they were both saved. And that noise has probably put off those two strikers. I think it was Gundawang and Aguero from memory. Apart from that, we seem nervous, we just don't seem comfortable. We've lost big Champions League games there. Leipzig, Ajax, 1-0, Chelsea there, big games. There's not really been that value for money. I say value for money because it costs a billion pounds, right? It was supposed to be this fortress. And we haven't really turned into that fortress. West Ham beat us there for crying out loud. Um, So I don't know. There's something wrong there. I don't know what it is. don't know if it's a mental thing. Don't have to change rooms are too big. I don't have to walk from the change rooms far. It isn't actually. I've done the walk. Um, oh, but I don't know what it is. It needs to stop. But it's a problem. Whatever it is, it needs to stop because it's, 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 it's massively out of hand. Um, dropping too many points. Dropping too many points. Too many points. So I mean, overall, I think the key question now is: Is this a blip, or are big changes required? So let's be pragmatic here let's not do immediate overreactions but this is a problem <laughs> no this is a problem it's a problem i was trying to choose my words carefully no it, it is a problem right it's a problem because Mourinho hasn't trusted his full squad and we know he likes 14 to 16 max 18 players to work with we know this already but when you're playing European football, you're playing Thursday, Sunday, you need to trust your squad. Okay? He's kind of disrespected Delhi, right? Delhi has value. I think Delhi has probably done as much as Gareth Bell has done in Gareth Bell's time at Spurs the second time around. Mm-hmm. So why isn't Delhi getting the same? kind of opportunity as Bell. I'm here for the tweets on this one, right? Um, Bergwijn, I've already mentioned. Vinicius doesn't get any minutes. I know he doesn't trust him in terms of his work rate, but then I can say the same thing about Bell. And this isn't a Bell hate moment. This is a realistic moment. We're discussing the legend. I'm paying my respect to him, but I'm using him as an example. So this is one of the problems we have right now. The other problem is finding a way to play. Our upcoming fixtures are, as they say in the game, very winnable. So we've got Stoke, which we need to win and which we need to rotate on Wednesday night. Yeah. We've then we've then got Wolves away, who are stuttering, a bit toothless. Um, then I think we've got the likes of 
Leeds, um, Fulham. I think it's Fulham first, then maybe Leeds. And let's have a look. So I'm not just spouting out names. We've got Wolves. Then I said Fulham. Then we've got Leeds. Fulham's home. Leeds is home. Marine in the cup. Opportunity to rotate. Villa away, which is the trickiest one at the moment of this bunch. Sheffield United away, which should be straightforward. And then we face Liverpool. So we've got six games there, five Premier League games there, where we can take the handbrake off, get a bit of confidence, get a bit of fluidity, get a bit of style of play and understanding of another way, a plan B, if you like. So when we face Liverpool, we've got A and B to play with. And even after Liverpool game, if we can amount a few points, um, we've got Brighton, Chelsea again, West Brom, City again, then West Ham, then it gets a little bit easier. So we have another opportunity to gain points. But if we don't gain 15 points, is that 15, maybe a bit much, 12 points at least from those games? Yeah. And mate, I think top four is going to be a tough ask. And I know that's, that's like heaven and earth. That's like two different kind of mentalities from where we were a couple of weeks ago when we said we're a pony in this race. But we were only a pony in the title race and we were only in the title race if we had a style of play which was pragmatic and an approach which was pragmatic and adjustable um, depending on the opposition and playing the right system and tactics. We haven't done that in the short window we're discussing. So if that continues, we're not going to get top four. If we can tweak it, then of course we've got the quality, we've got a decent depth um, in our squad to achieve the primary objective of top four. But I would say we're out of the title race, is what I would say. What do you reckon? I, I would agree with that, but then the reason why I'm not actually, look, I'm a Spurs fan, I want us to do the best we can. Obviously, that is winning the title. But I don't consider ourselves to be title contenders at any point this season, so far, right? So for me, I do want top four and I want a trophy because I think that is the best platform to winning, making putting together a real title charge next season, right? But it's being able to flex between our approaches for games that are considered winnable versus games where we'll be lucky to, or it would be good to get a result. Right? And understanding the difference between that. There's opportunities for rotation in the upcoming games. There are opportunities to try out different styles and approaches as well. Right, And knowing that you can put out a side who, if they need to muck it up, they can do that. But if they need to pass someone off the pitch, they can do that. Because whatever happens, the quality is in the side to do it. I, f- I feel like whilst in the past we've been, we've been quite poor against the top six sides, eventually we got to a stage where we knew how to kind of play against them. Which is why we, in recent seasons, we've got results at United, we've got results at City, we've got results at Chelsea. Like those things have come from understanding how to turn on. And those same players, the majority of the players who've seen that success, are still there, right? So they know how to do it. I think that they need to be able to. The manager needs to craft it in in his image to show people what to go for and when to go for it. And maybe this is just our early season blip, and. We'll go on a fantastic run after that because, you know, people go through blips, right? Liverpool have been beating 7-2 this season. So, 
it happens. It's how you respond. It's how you respond, a hundred percent. And we didn't respond well against uh, um like for after the Liverpool game when we had the real thing. But now, back to back losses, is let's face it, if a team that wants to do anything, back to back losses against your rivals, is a mini crisis. It's a mini crisis. So we have to go some way to right right in the ship. I do think that the changes are required. I don't think they're massive, massive changes are required, but I do think a significant look at where we want to go in terms of our playing style and making the decision as to what we do with that, being really introspective about that, is really important. So, look, like you said, we've got we've got an opportunity to right the ship. The next few games provide that massive opportunity. We need to go out and take it. Bounce back ability. That's it. That's what. That's what we need. So that said, just very quickly, I agree with everything she said um, there. For Stoke game, there's an opportunity to get into the semi-final of the Carabao Cup. The final won't be played until April to try and um, give the um, enough time for COVID to calm down and for fans to get back in the stadium. Um, that was just a footnote. Not Nothing too relevant there from our perspective. Yeah. But Stoke, Stoke away, who do you not want to see on the pitch from our perspective I don't want to see I don't want to see Kane on the pitch I don't want to see Son on the pitch I don't want to see I don't want to see Adeverald on the pitch um, I don't want to see Aurea on the pitch um, I don't want to see Joe Hart or Lloris on the pitch no that's not going to happen <laughs> um, I don't want to see Ndombele on the pitch either this also, I don't mind so much. I feel like he's got a bit of um, a bit of bite. That oh, he's injured. he's injured. Oh, yeah, though. he's injured. He's injured. Uh, he's injured. So, I mean, having said that, I still don't want to see. I still don't want to see Nambele on the pitch, and I'd rather see um, Ali come in from a point of view where he can create some kind of spark from midfield. So, yeah, I also don't want to see Hoiberg on the pitch. I feel like we've gotten away. I was going to say. I feel like we've gotten away with Hoiberg, a, a slight Hoiberg injury coming up a couple times. Um, he's injured. I'm telling you, he's still injured. He's playing through it. Yeah, I, and, and I, he, I think that he's going to get worse. I, I don't want to. I don't want to see him. I don't want to see him. And I don't want to see Reggion on the pitch either. I think he's played too many minutes as well for the style of play that he has, which is up and down at high pace. I don't want to see him on the pitch. Let Davies play that game, or even bring Cirk in. And I'm not trying to disrespect Stoke. We have to win the game. And I'm sure we'll have the opportunity to put some of these guys on the bench. But let's mix it up. Let's play Vinicius. Let's play Bell. Let's play Lucas or Bergwijn or, and Delhi for sure. Winks for sure. If you have to bring in Harvey White, play Harvey White. Gedson. But let's mix it up. Jaffet. Roden. Yeah, I players. think they've, they've done enough. They've done enough to show that they, they can be trusted in a game like this. Um, if we are going to have a squad, we've spoken about how you know we've got great squad depth and blah blah. Like squad depth is great until you lose and you haven't pulled someone off the bench, and suddenly people are like, oh yeah, it looks really great, but where is it now? Blah blah. Like need need Bale to be aggressive, need him to like open himself up and really go for it. Um, trust his body and trust his body, like you've been saying. Like I really need him to um, to go for it, but. Yeah, I think this is a time where you have to play those guys and, and really and really kind of get the best you can out of them. And if it's not now, then, boy, who knows when. Do you think he will? Uh, yeah, I think he will. I think he, I think he has to show... I think he has to force... He, 
we've got had two two games that weren't great and his hand has to be forced and I think he will I think he will do something about it I do I'd say three games yeah yeah so okay cool well very quickly let's just do some of the admin before we get out of here cool 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 I just want to yeah shout out to all the regular listeners respect to you guys shout out to the new listeners this is what it is you've heard the dulcet tones of Quabnam and I would say myself Quabnam was <laughs> talking about a singing voice earlier so please hit that subscribe button uh, um We'll come to you fresh straight away and you can use us to brighten your mood whilst you're doing those mundane tasks, as Kwabna said last week. So shout to you guys. Um, I also want to shout uh, the cities. I don't think there were too many new cities this week, but as it's been a while since I've heard some of these cities, I'm just going to shout some of them anyway. Um, we don't really shout the UK cities, so maybe we just do those in towns a little bit. But we've got... Um, Romford, Ilford, Winchester, I'm just running through a list. Tel Aviv, obviously not UK, Bangkok, Ada, Michigan, you know I like that one. Standen, Hornsey, Edmonton, all the UK. Uh, Bayswater, Australia. So shout out to you guys, you're my top 10 for this week. So big up to you guys. Nice, nice. Quickly, quickly as well, we got the Lone Watch. Uh, we did Pirate Skip last week. Skip goes from strength to strength for Norwich and should be promoted. Hopefully that'll be good for him. Good experience. Promote his champions, hopefully. Long way to go, but he's doing very well by all accounts. Someone else who's doing okay and got a text from Jose um, was Ryan Sessegnon. Yeah. He scored his second off from high. Um, playing left back, which is interesting. Um, could be very shrewd business on Tottenham's behalf, especially if we lose um, Regulon at the end of the season. Um, he potentially could come in and slot in and would have gained valuable experience in Germany. What do you think about his loan move there? I mean, his, I think it's, um, it's, really it's really important for us that he does well because it means that we don't have to sacrifice our playing style depending on our personnel. If it means that we... if I, I don't think it's... I think a lot of Tottenham fans are resigned to losing the region, but I think we could easily keep him. And if we do keep him, then it's like, fine, you've got Session you've got Region, and when one is in form or out of form, whatever, you don't have to sacrifice the way you play, which is really important. I think Ben Davis, for all of his, for all of his, his, his defensive. <laughs> you can't think of a word. His defensive solidity. Um, the bottom line is. So that's a push. Yeah. But the, the bottom line is, he's limited. Um, and he limits the way he play, and it's quite lopsided. Whereas Dorothy and Uriah are both used to playing in attacking roles, and that balance it was really important, and that's what Regulon brings. So having that in session on is going to be like a massive asset. So I'm, I'm really happy about that. But um, yeah, I just want him to feel confident, man. Like he's a great player. But there's definitely play in there, but it's just a confidence thing. And if he can go away in a different country, which is, you know people just look at football as like, oh, you just playing a sport. But he's gone somewhere else, speaking a different language, different country, different culture, all that kind of stuff, away from his family. It's, it's a big change, man. It's a big, big change. And if someone wants to ask any of us listening on this pod right now to do our job in another country, speaking another language, away from friends and family, that would be a big impact. So he's, it's great to see him doing well there. Um, I really hope he's a success because I want to see him in a Tottenham shirt and I want to see him flourish. So, um, yeah, it could be great business to welcome. See, imagine if, if we can put together a season where we get 
top four and we get a trophy and we can welcome players back who've had good loan spells like Skip um, with like Skip and Session on and hopefully eventually Parrot, who knows. That that is the kind of that's the kind of situation you want to be in and that's what that's when you can kind of put together a a run in a season that could lead to a title. Exactly, exactly. And that is what the loan system is there for. Let's hope that comes to fruition. So right, two quick points before we get out of here, before my battery died, before my missus goes mental, and before you fall asleep, because I know you have early starts. Um, <laughs> September, we were so gassed. We had Bell coming home, hasn't worked out, not yet. We had Alex Morgan join, and now she's leaving. So she's what leaving. a difference three months make. She's I leaving. Yeah, she's yeah, it only came out today. She's leaving. They haven't really said why. Um, but, she, yeah, she's going home. And, I mean, she hasn't been Alex Morgan that we know since she's, like, literally, I think it's 156 days since maternity, if that, that she's come back. She's getting back into it, but she, they've decided that she needs to leave. Um, so we hope she comes back to the ladies' team. Um, as I mentioned last week, scored two goals in two games, but she missed a decisive penalty against Arsenal in the cup game, which will probably live with her. But we didn't play, they didn't play this weekend because the game was postponed, so that was her last game, the Villa game. So, good luck to Alex Morgan. We hope to see you again. They always return. Um, And my last point, my last point, and I have to shout Kovna, he's come off the bottom of the um, Telegraph, Fantasy Football... Side league, so shout out to you. So shout out to Lero, who has now got the broadest shoulders in Spurs <laughs> podcast <laughs> history. So Lero, sort it out. You can't let Kobna be ahead of you. Um, Kidelio regained top spot number one. I was number two for part of this week. I'm now number three. Just saying, Kovna, just saying. No cares, bro. No cares. Um, you know, let me not say anything. I'm not say anything. Um, Thank you very much for listening, guys. Um, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please drop us a review. It really helps with the rankings. You know the rest. Five stars only because we only give five star content. Um, also, give someone a gift to the pod. Tell a friend to tell a friend, guys. Share the insights and the good humour and positive nature of the Shelfside podcast. Real Spurs fans know. They know what it is. They know what to listen to. They know we're just like them because it's a podcast for the fans, by fans. Um, I also want to take the moment to wish you all a really healthy and safe festive period on behalf of all of those who work on the Shelf Pod. Um, we've really enjoyed rocking with you guys in a, in a very tumultuous year. But, you know, I think that there's been some bright spots. And if we can get to the end of this year and be able to count our blessings, then we are in a more fortunate place than we could have been. So um, I think you should also take some time to think about that. We appreciate each and every one of you. Um, But yeah, I think that's it from me. And that's it from me. Apart from we wish you a Merry Christmas, we wish you a Merry Christmas. Lero, back me up with some music here, please. And (laughs) we'll see you before the new year. So wait, now does that mean I can say run the outro? It'll be something else. Anyway, Lero, listen, do your thing, man. We wish you a Merry Christmas.